They have to bring him out like a mermaid where he always has to be a little bit damp. So yeah, he's in a giant tub and they just spritz him every five minutes. It's really important. Do you remember when he raced a shark? <laughs> no, he. so actually he started a foundation to help children like learn how to swim. To race sharks? And deal with, <laughs> to deal with <laughs> mental health issues, you know? <laughs> Can we talk about them racing sharks? <laughs> I don't care if they have mental health issues. They could still race a shark. Okay, I didn't hear anything about racing sharks, but he did tell an anti- anecdote about racing Shaquille O'Neal, and that was pretty delightful. That was actually great. Uh, so uh, my life changed today, gentlemen. Uh, yes, I'm announcing that I have, in fact... Uh, had Pliny the Younger for the first time. Ooh. All of the non-transcended haze boys out there um, <laughs> just really don't know what they're missing. You know, a nice fucking bitter IPA. Right, and they don't package that. It just comes in quarter quarter barrel things, right? Well, yes and no. So they started uh, doing 22 ounces at the brewery only this year. Ah. Uh, but we, it was on draft. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, uh, I've had it once too. And it was a transcending moment for me as well. Uh, when I was out at Oregon state and yeah, people go ape shit. Yeah. Right. How do we get that culture with our spirits? Um, by not aging in small barrels anymore. I figured that's the best <laughs> way. <laughs> Uh, that's how you get your transcendent moments. Is yes. Plus, I hear um, that 2021 is uh, the year of rum. <laughs> well, we are yes. making our predictions out. I like this. <laughs> I don't know that to be true. Uh, I would like to say the year of 2042 will be the year of Malort. <laughs> no, because that day will never happen because Malort belongs in garbage. Um, well, I'm pretty sure 2041 will be the end time. So the only thing left. Oh, will that's be fair. Bored, so. Yeah, as soon as all of humanity dies, it will be the best-selling spirit ever. <laughs> well, I will say that there is a particular bar here in New Orleans that I quite like, and it's like, uh, but the bartenders they do a malort shot with a slim jim stick in it. I probably have said this on here before. Um, which, you know, being the cool hipster that I am, sure, I was like, yeah, I'll do that. It was great. <laughs> Wait, okay. So this makes perfect sense. Your line in your new article series that you wrote for me, where you mention a Malort side, like this, <laughs> oh, this yeah, totally makes sense. <laughs> oh yeah. Where I get, I'm like, let's get, go with the most douchey, esoteric, cool kid bartender thing ever jake you're gonna love this uh i asked zeno if he'd do a series for me and he called it the curmudgeon chronicles and it's basically every issue he complains about something and i love it so much you know what really grinds my gears it's that's exactly what it is pretty much what it is it's a spirits focused old man yelling at clouds yes which in full disclosure i don't usually go like five minutes without bitching about something anyways (laughs) totally and now I have a lawn that I take care of. That is Dude, that's game changer, well. man. Socks went up to the kneecaps and fucking judging other white, people's white lawn. White shoes. 
Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm strapping up my new balances. New balance slash case with also thongs. <laughs> Do you find yourself out in the on the lawn like on a Sunday morning, like sipping coffee, just going, It's good to have land. Oh yeah, it's great. I mean, I just go out there and just check on my grass. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I'm not even joking about this. Actually, it's I'm very happy about my lawn care, and I I've been hand edging it, and I have a push reel mower because my lawn's pretty small. I live in New Orleans, so I was like, you know what? I don't want to get a fucking gas lawn mower or even an electric lawn mower, whatever. I'm like, I'm just gonna get one of those old school push reel ones. I'll look like a goof, but who cares? And tell you what, best decision I ever made. Yep. Yeah, I will say you were one step below like true manhood though. You need to get an actual sigh, like a sigh that you have to sharpen like every three minutes and cut your grass that way like an old Amish dude in a wheat field. That would be just that it Zeno. He was always playing with that wheat thresher. <laughs> <laughs> Day one it cuts off his ankle. Yeah. yeah right. I remember that motherfucker when he had two legs. All right. This is the Still Talking Podcast, our reverent distilling industry podcast. We're recording on the night of Super Tuesday, uh, and I, this would be a good time. I'm announcing my run for presidency of the United States. I think I can swoop in and get a few delegates. You got my vote. Bloomberg, chill your cheeks. I knew it. I'm pretty sure I could beat Bloomberg at this point. I think we can beat him up, and I think that that's drastically needed at this point. I mean, Bloomberg has a ton of money, though. Like, he has an obscene amount of he money. He has all the money. You know, Zeno, I thought about this, and I realized we totally fucked up, and we missed a massive opportunity. We could have got that Bloomberg, Bloomberg advertising money. Like, we could have just sold out and done, like, half a dozen podcast episodes where we just, like connect distilling to how great michael bloomberg is and we could have made like, just shit on him the yeah, whole right. time money pretty much he and he would have loved it's like it, the uh, sure wayne's world when they do noah's arcade and they're they're subtly making fun of him <laughs> right that's what we would do we're constantly making whole shoes say nice things about mike bloomberg right. and he's just Ugh. furious the whole time Ugh. Ugh. Uh. Now we're gonna have to settle for shitty, cheap Biden money. We're gonna get like thirty bucks. <laughs> Uncle Rapist Joe also needs to go. <laughs> you heard it here f- first, folks. Did you guys ever get bored and just Google search Joe Biden being creepy? Uh, God, I didn't know I needed that in my life, but I'm probably going to now, and I'm really gonna. I'm pretty sure I'm getting a letter from my ISP. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of videos of him just being real weird. Really weird, like the one where he's like behind her, like massaging her shoulders, and then he leans in to tell her something. Like, yeah, I felt raped. Like that's how creepy it was. I I finished immediately, so I mean, <laughs> that puts it into perspective. For wow, me, Brian. version two of our banter really went fucking downhill. I mean, I'm loving it, but. Yeah. It we are really definitely did. three bearded white dudes making um, potential rape jokes, but it's okay yeah. because it's about. Yeah, I'm definitely going to cut this. <laughs> yeah, okay. No, I, I'm pretty sure this should be the only part of the podcast. It's a three minute podcast where we talk about Biden and how sexually alluring he is. Um, okay, so uh, we should probably talk about the spirits industry. Uh, I don't There's have time for that. Around that, right? It's over, man. Game's over for the spirits industry. Yeah, we done. The spirits is like passe now. Now it's all non-alcoholic. Yeah. 
Dude, it's all about yeah. NA and yeah. fizz bros. <laughs> Seriously, there's so much news about non-alcoholic stuff. It's it's wild. But I do actually have some news. We can go through some of it or we could completely ignore all of it if we want. It's the news. It's time for news. It's been a while since we've actually recorded. You start talking and I will completely ignore everything you're saying and go. I would love that. Actually, I'll start because it's been a while. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I did. Actually, I was a uh, whole shoe called me when I first got there. But I was in Louisville and I visited the first convention of the year, the brand new inaugural Discus Convention for Spirits, and that was quite the show. So I know, uh, I know, maybe they won't have a fan among whole shoe, but uh, it was an interesting show. I got to hear Michael Phelps and Mitch McConnell, guys. Whoa, Michael Phelps was yeah, there? Yeah, Michael Phelps was actually there. Did he swim onto the stage? Because any other entrance would did be you, completely Did you do bong rips with Michael Phelps? They have to bring him out like a mermaid, where he always has to be a little bit damp. So yeah, he's in a giant tub, and they just spritz him every five minutes. It's really important. Do you remember when he raced a shark? <laughs> no, he. so actually, he started a foundation to help children like learn how to swim. To race sharks? And deal with <laughs> to deal with <laughs> mental health issues, you know. <laughs> Can we talk about them racing sharks? <laughs> I don't care if they have mental health issues. They could still race a shark. Okay, I didn't hear anything about racing sharks, but he did tell an anecdote about racing Shaquille O'Neal, and that was pretty delightful. That was actually pretty great. Well, I'm glad we're talking about racing sharks because it sounded like racist sharks, and I was like, that would be really hard to prove. Oh, ra ra sharks are interesting racist i'm, I'm sure. pretty sure that's true have you ever seen like a hammerhead yeah they're called great white i mean come on great white shark <laughs> yeah. Get over tone it down buddy yeah take the hood off for just a little bit uh in all seriousness he did it was like uh he raised a shark or something right it was on tv i totally believe it the man is like built like a triangle i've never seen anything like it in my entire life like he's just the whitest shoulders in the world but his legs are surprisingly small. Like, don't get mad, Michael. I know you're a listener, but um, uh, yeah, he's 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 a pretty cool guy. I mean, it took him a little while to warm up, but it was interesting to hear about his foundation stuff. So, cool. yeah, Discus has all the money in the world. So they had big speakers, and I got to meet Diageo people and all that stuff. Wait. So it was. I'm glad the convention exists. I actually think it fills an interesting gap in the industry but it definitely is not going to replace like adi or acsa especially acsa goddamn right acsa yeah yeah i had to i had to recover that one yeah though. so who was it besides michael phelps who was there who's the other person uh mitch mcconnell oh. because it was louisville which that one definitely that one definitely went a little off the rails he definitely turned it into a stump speech which was a little strange um, the first like 10 minutes was about spirits and that was actually pretty cool. Um, but there was a bunch of other speakers and they gave, they had like an award ceremony one of the nights, which it was only four awards, which I kind of loved. And it was just, it was guys like Phil McDaniels at St. Augustine distillery in Florida, which he's fantastic. He's a really nice guy. Um, I'm hoping he's actually going to come to Portland for ACSA for, he hasn't been to an ACSA in a while. He's really nice. Aww. He got an award for like craft distiller. Um, they of course honored like Dave Pickerel and then they gave Jimmy Russell an award, which Jimmy's amazing. I, I really do like him. So. He deserves so it's cool. I, I mean, Jimmy Russell deserves everything. He's just yeah. genuinely the sweetest man in the world. He is really sweet. 
I will give yeah. you that. Yeah, he really is. I can't so can't really say anything bad about Jimmy Russell. No, no, Jimmy's like the quintessential like good guy distiller. I mean, he's just he's been around forever. He'll talk to anyone. He is obviously with a huge, massive company, but he cares about what he does, so that's great. And he's been doing it since Dart was invented. So, <laughs> but did he race a shark? <laughs> I'm pretty sure he strangled the shark and then <laughs> distilled him. Pachuga. Pachuga. Oh my God, shark Pachuga. Yeah, that's only made in Iceland. <laughs> I was going to say Japan, but that might be. Are you saying like that stink shark shit from Iceland? Yeah, the fermented shark bits, right? Yeah. Ooh, no. It's intense. Thanks, Jake. So anyway. For, thanks, Jake, for getting my reference. Brian, yeah. go fuck yourself. Ah, <laughs> yeah. uh, Well on my way, sir. Wait, no, that sounded wrong. Shit. <laughs> All right, so go on. That was so it was good. Uh, what did you get out of it, personally, for your business? And as a distiller, what would I get out of it if I were to go next year? Mm, good questions. I, I mean, I get something out of every show I go to because I'm on the publishing education side. So any networking is pretty much good for me. I really enjoyed it because it was the first time I went to a show where I saw, like, you know, got to meet the president of Diageo and. Bacardi and MGP and all these people in one room. So that was kind of fun. Um, but also they were mixing with smaller producers as well. And there was a few vendors. There weren't many vendors because they don't need them. So those are my advertisers. So I still got a few leads out of it, but mainly it was the content, the education and the networking. So that was nice um, they were for like, smaller we producers. We're, we're Diageo. Right. We're... I mean, obviously they're huge. They were definitely the tone was right they i mean they did not just go into it trying to own the world i think they're smart enough to realize that their goal is to appeal to smaller producers because they want their numbers and things like spirits united because that's what helps them on a legislative level so and again i give a lot of this credit to chris wonger which i know you've met mm -hmm. uh that guy is smart he knows that it's a matter of working with everyone in the industry to get things like FET continued, hopefully permanently, to work on state levels. But, you know, Discus as a whole, I think they still have a ways to go to maybe improve their image, in the, especially in the craft world, for sure. But, like, Chris is making good steps. So, And I'm very biased in regards to him. I really like him, and I think his team are really good people. Uh, but yeah, it's still kind of, you know, put your money where your mouth is really make sure, are you helping the industry? And I think they're taking steps. We'll see where it goes over the next year. They're going to do their next show in Austin next year. Um, and in terms of like what, what, yeah, what do distillers get out of it? Uh, again, I think it's very much like it's the networking side, meeting people that would not be in your normal circle, you know, cause like, like it or not, you go to, you know most of the smaller shows and it's kind of the same people year after year. So it's good to see it shake, shaken up a little bit and get a different demographic of people talking to each other. Um, I like that perspective change, but again, they're not, and, and their seminars were very good. I will say that, but they were very skewed towards like sustainability and new ways of marketing. It wasn't focused on actual, or at least the ones I didn't go, I didn't go to any that were hyper-focused on like, you know, fermentation yields or production that's you know very much acsa kind of has the lock on that and it doesn't look like discus is trying to do those things so i can see them definitely coexisting it'll be interesting to see where adi kind of fits in that regard um 
because obviously there's a little more crossover and overlap with some of that stuff. You don't think it's going to be a Highlander situation, do you? Where only one can survive? Um, <laughs> no, because I think I think smaller small distillers really need distilling education focused content. And I don't know that Discus wants to do that or needs to do that, to be honest. Right. I, I think that, so to piggyback on this, you know, Brian, I texted you last night. I had my guild meeting, Louisiana Distillers Guild meeting, and, uh, you know, they were there presenting, Discus was there presenting again, grassroots and all Right. That. What were they talking about? I wanted to know, like, what was their pitch? Was it Spirits United? Basically? Uh, Spirits United is big, heavy push on Spirits United. And, right. you know, they brought the guy who covers whatever our region and our state. So, Things is that Joe? Get, yeah, uh, no, Joe is not that guy. Okay, uh, I forget his name. It's, I think his business card. Yeah, I put it in my new pocket. Dale, his name Dale, is Dale, okay. Vice President, Central Region Office of Government Relations. So he had like a. It was nice to be a sounding board of you know state legislation for our guild, which is you know, we are a very small guild, very young guild, and you know there's like maybe 30 DSPs in Louisiana. Right. So it was nice to have that sounding board there, but their angle was definitely, uh, uh, what is it called? Grassroots? Grassroots. Yeah. Their spirits United is their spirits grassroots United. kind of legislative yeah. effort. Yeah. And it does other things, but mainly it's focused on legislative issues. Right. So, I mean, it, they gave a nice presentation and everything. And yes, I personally really like Chris Swanger too. I think, Maybe he's a good politician because everything that comes out of his mouth sounds very genuine. Um, See, the thing is, and maybe and again, this is my own bias coming through, but he, he is a politician. The fact that he's very, you know, clean and presenting his information, but it does sound sincere, which most politicians don't. There's always that veneer of just kind of just getting the info, information out there and moving on. And he seems genuinely interested in what he's doing. So I, again, that's where a lot of my bias, my new bias towards appreciating what Discus is doing is coming from having those conversations with a guy like Chris. And it feels like his staff is energized by him, which that's really what tells me, like, is it sincere or not? No much, not so much what the person is saying or even how they present it, but the people around them, like, are they different in any capacity? And I would say definitely they're way more energized. Um, right. So we'll see. I, and Jake, I want to ask you too. So you're on the board yeah. of ACSA. You guys have worked with them pretty closely with like with uh, the DC initiatives, like the DC fly-ins. Mm -hmm. What's the relationship been like with Discus over the last you know year or so? Has it improved? Has it you know what's going on with them in the relationship with ACSA? I mean, without speaking uh, officially on behalf of the ACSA board, I can tell you that I have not worked personally with Chris, um, you know, I, I tend to focus more on the education, um, being one of the dry chairs of that committee. Right. Um, but I do know, you know, the, the things definitely have changed, you know, hopefully for the better, uh, in relations with ACSA and discus. Um, I will actually remove myself from the board for two seconds while I say some negative things. Um, and, you know, the great thing about our industry is we're all, you know, I don't want to say chronologically young as people, but maybe chronologically young um, as an industry. Um, so we don't often right. remember the other times in which Discus state by state has bulldozed legislation through 
um, for their own personal gain and often to the harm of small craft producers. Um, we saw it here in California. I've seen it in Maryland. Um, so things are not all rosy and shiny as, as, as we'd love to believe with that. I, I hope that their interest in small producers is, is good and, and fruitful things will come about from that relationship. Um, but really, when you talk about representing the craft spirits industry, that is not discus. Uh, it is much the same as ADI, where y you don't get a voice in that. Um, small producers do not get any voting capability within discus. It is still very much a Diageo house of sorts. Um, so I caution people. I mean, you know, not not to not engage with discus, but uh, you need to have these really sobering conversations, and they are going to every guild in the United States um, trying to get them on board. Uh, CADG was not too long ago out here. Um, so, you know, just, you know, they have their own interests in mind, um, and those do not always line up with that of a craft producer. But uh, that being said, things are positive. We can work together. Um, especially for FET, uh, especially to direct-to-consumer issues. Um, these affect all of us, uh, small and large alike. Um, but I, what, what I hope doesn't happen, and I guess my eventual fear um, with discus in general, is them using small producers to try and purport some sort of, um, you know, 50-state... Um, you know, united front for discus when it's really not that, right? Um, we, you know, discus producers are not in every state. They're in a few states. Um, so, you know, small producers are in every state, and, and our local issues are much different. Uh, our federal issues are much different than um, large producers on, on many different levels. Yeah. No, those are really good points. And I think those are the hard questions that you and other producers who still aren't, you know, they're not sure about discus, you know, ask those questions, throw them out there, you know, yeah. you know, if they show up to a guild meeting, that's why they're there is to talk about it, put them on the spot, oh. ask those questions. You know, it's it's interesting, you brought up the issue with states issues, because I know Colorado had issues where they were on opposite sides of some legislation. And, it, you know, it caused some bad blood. This is years ago, but it, it sticks with people as it rightly should. And I actually did put that question specifically to Chris about like Spirits United, what happens if there's a state legislative issue where say discus doesn't necessarily align exactly with what's going on with say the state guild the state guilds want something different than discus and again words you know actions matter more than words so we'll have to actually see when something like this comes up but he specifically said the right things he said that in a situation where there is not a unified front for a piece of legislation, then Spirits United would have to recuse itself from that. So Spirits United would not be le uh, leveraged to push or kind of put the weight on the scale one way or the other. You know, Discus itself and their lobbyists might still be engaged. He didn't say this, this is me talking now, but you know, I would imagine Discus would still be engaged in some of those things, but the actual uh, 
platform of Spirits United would not be used to push legislation one way or the other unless it was unified on a state level. So those are the right things to say. Again, we'll have to see when it actually comes to that, you know, rubber hits the road, but it's yes. saying the right things. And I think they're smart enough to realize if they did screw that up, once one state rolls the wrong way, then everything can fall apart. So you wow. lose that leverage. So Yeah, I mean, I think we all have the fear of exploitation, right? Using us right. just for our spread of a you know, 50 state voice united so i mean that's good and that's a good answer um i think we have to see some of those issues come to fruition because this whole movement and chris is relatively new right so it's yes it's all different but yes jake i wholeheartedly agree with you some people don't really know what discus is and was and we just have to be cognizant of that before we act like they're just another great organization to be involved with because if they don't have our best interest in mind you know they could do some serious damage by using us which i'm not affiliated with anyone so i can say whatever the fuck i want and honestly xeno loves being used so use xeno as much as humanly possible yeah i mean typically being used is my modus operandi right but um (laughs) Uh, no, I mean, I, I really do. I do believe that. And there's some been, some other folks that I've talked to that have that same fears, especially some of the older craft producers. And, you know, yep. coming from the other side of things, you know, I never really worked with Discus or anything like that in my capacity at Cream Fun Factory. But, you know, they were there and they really pushed things through that really help big producers, which hurt small producers a lot of time. Now, it's not mutually exclusive, though, either. So, you know, I'm trying to be optimistic that Chris and the team over at Discus is going to do the right thing and everyone's going to be happy and all ships will rise. Yeah. Yeah. But, and I, and Jake, I, I appreciate you're kind of playing devil's advocate too, because I wouldn't expect producers necessarily to take everything I say without a huge grain of salt, because I'm in a weird position where I pretty much get along with everyone because I need to, because I'm neutral. So my job as a neutral publication and with the podcast here too, is, you know, and Colton is to cover everyone, talk to everyone. You know, I, I, obviously I say I don't play favorites, but to a certain degree, of course I have my biases. Like ACSA is special to me because it is a nonprofit and that's really important and it has distiller votes. So obviously I'm a little skewed in that and I respect what they do, but at the same time, I'm going to work with ADI. I'm going to work with Disco and those things are important to me as long as they're playing fair and doing like Zeno said trying to raise all you know raise the tide for everyone but distillers you have different perspectives and your business is your lifeblood so what works for me doesn't necessarily work for everyone else so you've got to answer those questions yourself and ask those tough questions totally and like I said I think that's probably one of the the most PC way of, of putting it um you know, I mean, I, I have probably more harsh opinions than that, but that's the the easiest way I can put it out there. So whether you're distiller, neutral, whatever, you, you, you know, kind of at least know the, the general basis of it. Uh, we haven't even scratched my opinions on ADI, and I think uh, that'll be another <laughs> episode. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that one. But actually, so yeah, we're talking about ACSA. Let's let's bring that up. We've got Portland in less than a month now. And yeah. one of the news pieces that just came across my desk this morning was ACSA in Portland is still on. COVID 
uh, 19 is not shutting down ACSA. I was actually really appreciative that ACSA put out a statement on that about coronavirus and the fact that they're watching the situation. There's been a bunch of conventions, non-distiller conventions that have shut down recently or been postponed. So it's good to yes. see Portland still on uh, as as we are recording this of, as of 3 three twenty. Yeah, and I think it's important yeah. to be mindful of those things that um, – you know, are in the news, you know, the one thing I would say, you know, again, my personal opinion on COVID-19 is it's a bunch of fucking bullshit. Um, you know, it's the, late, it's the latest disease that's been conjured in the cauldrons of government deep states and is here to distract us from real issues and, you know, real suffering in the world. And uh, it has a kill rate of, you know, less than 5% more people, especially children, die every day of hunger than coronavirus. Um, so, you know, we as an organization want people to be mindful of the risk, but at the same time, you know, we, we're not going to shut down a good time because it's starting to infect a couple of cities here in the U.S. So, not yet. All right. There we go. You heard yeah. it here first. And I would like to point out that I'm pretty sure coronavirus actually started in Zeno's beard. Um, that's where most pathogens uh, or originate from. It's also where it ends, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I do. Unfortunately, I really do. I have no idea what that means, but it, I said it in a sexy voice. So, uh, yeah. uh, All right, Holshi, what else is going on with ACSA? What's new there? You're, I, I don't want to pigeonhole you as the current board representative but colton's not here so you have to give us updates on what's going on yeah no fucking pressure there buddy um yeah i mean uh <laughs> uh you know the, the on the education side i mean this is kind of our super bowl um we have educational offerings throughout the year both in like webinar format uh last year we did the regional programs which uh focused on safety uh, with our partnership with uh, ISTS out of Kentucky. Uh, first off, shout out to those cats. Um, actually got my OSHA 10 card in uh, maybe three or four weeks ago. Um, so I'm like Ooh, well super flashy. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we actually hired them here at Old Trestle to come in and write our safety program. Um, we're unveiling that here in the next few months. I'm pretty stoked on that. Um, other ACSA goings on, I mean, we've been pushing and fighting and pushing and fighting for all of this education stuff. We had our call for presentations technically last year, and we've been refining them. I'm actually one of the co-presenters for the uh, Distillery 101 Masterclass, which is actually a pre-convention offering. Um, you know, ACSA is not tone deaf to uh, criticisms as well. Um, and, and generally one of the criticisms we've fielded for many years is, you know, ACSA is for established distillers. Uh, you guys don't care about new distillers and, and it's simply not true. But, you know, in hearing that, uh, we want to provide a space for um, what I jokingly call, you know, tire kickers, non-DSP owners, people who are interested in becoming professional distillers and giving them all the information that they need to be successful in this industry and or ways to find out where they can get that information. Um, so that's taking up a lot of my time right now is uh, getting prepared for that class. Yeah. 
I think that's it. Question mark? That's pretty good. <laughs> Question mark? Question mark? Nice. Um, no, I'm excited. I, yeah, that starts because that's so that's the weekend before, right? That's the Saturday, Sunday before the actual convention yep. proper. And then technically, there, you know, as far as like ACSA business, there are, there is some content on Sunday afternoon. Uh, different committees are meeting in, in you know, uh, state guild meeting, education committee meeting, safety committee meeting. Um, uh, but if you have more questions about the convention schedule, it is on the website, uh, which I'm totally remembering right now. Uh, AmericaGraphSpirits.com. Just Google Jake Holshu knows the things. Yes, all the damn com. things. So hurry up and buy that domain real quick before someone else does, because otherwise it's going to get weird. Backslash races a shark. Um, <laughs> races sharks. Races sharks. Yeah. Races sharks. Races a shark. Um, In a world where Hitler became uh, a great white. <laughs> One man could stop him, Jay Colshu. I'm pretty sure the street sharks were racist. Um, so, is there a theme for this conference? I feel like sometimes I go to conferences and there's a theme. Is there a theme for this one? Uh, the theme this year is "Welcome to Craftlandia." Oh, I don't I know what that means, like but that's the theme. I, I don't. I don't. I don't think it has a meaning, but it sounds poetic. Yes. Kind of catchy. Yes. It means we're going to pickle some stuff. And <laughs> wait, 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 I got a serious question. Fred Armisen will be there. Go ahead. Fred. Ar oh, that would be amazing, actually. Uh, so last year, I would say the hockey game was a wild fucking success. Mm. Is there any repeat of a competitive aspect amongst there, distillers? There is there will any be. kind of rock climbing, axe throwing? Ooh, what is it? What is it going to be? Can you tell us or is it a secret? I, I don't know enough about it to spill any beans. Uh, but we were last time I engaged with that, um, Molly troop, uh, from Freeland. Since she's in Portland, she was tasked with finding a, uh, a, an alcohol friendly, Place for us to engage in some sort of uh, sporty debauchery shenanigans, and that was the What's last that? time we talked about it. So we're LARPing, live action yes. role playing. Yes. Yeah, but uh, it's not going to be any of that nerf shit. It's going to be real swords yeah. and maces and chainmail. Oh yes, awesome. and mace and a mace. Oh, great. Uh, last time we were talking about it. <laughs> And this was just speculation, but we were talking about kickball uh, with the idea that anybody could play and you didn't have to have, like, hockey gear to do that. Yeah, that's good. You know, I'll be so honest with you. I love I love ice hockey. I didn't go to the conference last year because I didn't want to schlep my equipment, but I would have killed myself if, I, if other people were playing hockey and I wasn't. So Did, did, I, did I tell you guys my story about minneapolis last year no dude no so first off i have the worst travel luck i believe of any human being alive or dead like people in it's the titanic who all died were somehow luckier than 
me. Like, every flight I'm on just automatically gets canceled or is delayed or gets turned around or, like, and when the announcement comes on, I feel like everybody on the plane's looking at me because of it. Like, they know that I'm the bad luck charm on that plane. <laughs> and no, it's so, important listener understands that, that Jake is not, like, exaggerating even a little bit. Like, I've followed his Facebook accounts of him trying to get like an hour flight and it ends up like taking him across the country on eight layovers. Like, I don't know who you pissed off or like, what's the opposite of selling your soul to the devil for something you, you done fucked something up along the way. Yeah. Karmically things are not good for me travel wise. And, uh, (laughs) last year the hockey game was on Sunday. And so I was traveling Sunday morning. And so, uh, I'm up in Truckee, California, so we're up at 6,000 feet uh, here in town, uh, up to 10, well, like eight and a half at some of the resorts, but um, I was trying to get down to Reno. There was a storm rolling in through Saturday night, so I decided to leave Truckee and get a hotel in Reno uh, Saturday night. Uh, Got stuck Sunday morning because it snowed a little bit in Reno. And, like, the guys didn't plow the the runway. And so, like, they couldn't, like, the <laughs> thing that was pushing the plane back back couldn't move. They just kept slipping. And they're like, I don't know. So, like, they had to get a different machine, a more larger, more different machine to push us back. And that didn't work. So then they had to get, like, the Hulkinator Lamborghini uh, pushback machine. And then we got going about two hours late, and then they had to de-ice the plane. So we're two and a half hours late. I missed my connection in Denver. And then uh, United's like, yeah, we're not flying to Minneapolis at all for the rest of the day. So you're stuck here. And so I spent Sunday night drinking in Denver, Colorado. In fact, uh, Colleen from Dalkita came and drank with me. Uh, because I was so sad that I was missing the hockey game. So I still had to schlep all my fucking hockey gear uh, <laughs> to Minneapolis for no fucking reason. Um, uh, that's even didn't worse. Show up so now I feel until, like, yeah, didn't show up until in Minneapolis until 1 p.m. on Monday. So I missed like all the opening stuff, the start of the education, Everybody was in sessions, and I come strolling in looking like dog shit because, like, you know, the Denver Hotel's right next to a dispensary, and I'm feeling less than ideal about myself. So I, like, consume a bunch <laughs> of shit. I don't know. It was a fucking mess. It was it was a it wasn't the worst trip of my life, but, like, it was one of the many worst trips I have because, like, I suck at traveling. <laughs> It is important to highlight that as bad as that was, it wasn't the worst, which it again, wasn't highlights how bad your traveling karma is. You're going to burn through it. And eventually you're just going to, you're going to get direct shots, first class upgrades. Like the rest of your life is just going to be gold. Just well, I'll tell you what, my boss is coming to uh, ACSA for his first time and he refuses to travel with me. <laughs> refuses. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. And it's not wrong. 
Like, it's not a wrong attitude to have to, like, treat me like a leper, a traveling leper. Um, in yeah. fact, I, I, don't, I don't know if you know this story, uh, Mr. Christensen, uh, but because you saw I had reached out to other good guy distillers uh, about trying to find a better way to travel because, like, I'm a humble motherfucker, yeah. you know? Uh, I'm awesome at everything, but humble is definitely something I'm awesomer at. And I was like, (laughs) hey, maybe I can learn from this. And so I reached out to the good guys. And of course, of all the people in the world, John fucking McKee says, hey, you know, we've traveled on Delta for 10 years and I've never missed a flight and I've never been delayed. And I was like, you know, I trust that guy. So uh, on our way, God, where were we? Oh, was it the DC trip? I don't know. Oh, it was probably the DC trip. Yeah, you're right. It was. Yeah, DC trip. So then, of all the people that got stuck on my flight, uh, was (laughs) Courtney fucking McKee. Courtney McKee. It wasn't even John that suffered. No, no. John totally, like, fucked her over in that situation, you know, unknowingly, by... Oh, yeah, we travel Delta, so we happened to take the same Delta flight, yeah, back from Baltimore uh, for the uh, last fly-in and board retreat, and, uh, like, the whole time, we're just looking at each other, like, something's going to go wrong, something's going wrong. Uh, It didn't happen on that flight, but it was the next flight that got fucked up, so... Okay, wait. You have to appreciate the fact that John, though, can still say he's never had a flight canceled or delayed. Oh, yeah. He's still fine. His record's great. It's just Courtney there. He's good. (laughs) Dude, and it was the funniest thing because we're sitting in BWI and Courtney and I and Amber Pollock, we're all sitting there. And I was like, oh, Courtney, you got to call him and let him know how much he just fucked you over. And like, so she calls him up on speakerphone, (laughs) right? And it's all like, John McKee, you really fucked up this time. And you heard that sigh that only a a, a fellow married man could like let out. Yep. Like, okay. I know it I well. I don't know what I did. I don't know how I fucking did it, but I'm going to own up to this and I'm going to make it right. And I was like, oh. yep. All right. Lay it on me. What did I do? And uh, she's like, because of you, I'm now traveling from BWI to Salt Lake City with Jake fucking Holshu. And uh, he just starts laughing, like, <laughs> uncontrollable. <laughs> he, he knew exactly how I got to that. And, uh, yeah, that's all. Yeah. Yep. Fucking A. I'm sorry. I shouldn't find as much joy in this as I do. It's just, like, it's just such, a, a, like, a tragic comedy. It's just. Really you couldn't is. write it, man. You couldn't, you couldn't fucking write my travel woes into a thing. I yeah, and I think that you managed to, you know, offend both lepers and um, descendants <laughs> of the Titanic tragedy. Yeah. Which I believe Caleb Desmond's listener uh, is both of those. <laughs> He's a leper descendant. <laughs> he he actually Titanic. died on the Titanic. Titanic. That's, that's from leper to list, you know, uh, listener. They died. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he actually, he, he, he didn't die from the, the whole drowning. It yeah. was actually leprosy. It was great. It was like a couple hours before. It was really tragic. He contracted (laughs) leprosy on the Titanic. (laughs) Died like 20 years later. But that's where he got. Oh, God. We're definitely going to libel lawsuit from whoever owns the Titanic. 
rights. Like, that's a thing. Like, how dare you? The Titanic was fantastic. How dare you say there was leprosy? I think it's James Cameron, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure. <laughs> He's sitting there with a giant diamond around his neck, having someone draw him, paint him naked. I mean, I would if I was James Cameron. Yeah, I don't even need to be James Cameron, that sounds Yeah, funny. I just put a, so, <laughs> a plastic diamond around my neck. And nobody paints Hoshu, me. Yeah. Hoshu, give us an update on what's going on with your fine distillery there in California. Old Trestle yeah, what you working Distillery. On? Oh, man, we're working on uh, a few things right at the moment. So we, uh, we just signed a big brokerage deal uh, that'll roll us out into nine states this year. Uh, so pretty oh, stoked on that. Um, we're currently in our single malt production time of the year. So, uh, we have a sister company, which is 50, 50 brewing company, which happens to be all of maybe 35 feet away from my distillery. Uh, so they are producing some world-class, uh, wash for us. And what else? Uh, are they, doing, are they doing all your wash or just some of it? Just, just for the single malt. Uh, we do all okay. of our own uh, on-grain fermentation for um, our vodka and our bourbons and rye. Um, the bourbon we're producing right now is a red corn four-grain bourbon, 100% California agriculture, uh, kilned and malted oats and malted barley from... Admiral Malting in Alameda, California. This section brought to you by Admiral Malting. <laughs> Admiral Malting. kick-ass floor malt from Alameda. Uh, and a little bit of California. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. So so was the, the brewery making your wash, was that because uh, your system, you don't have a lottering system or... Correct. Yeah, we only have like a mash cooker and a non-false bottom mash cooker to boot. So um, we we bought a couple tanks for us uh, and we'll eventually, they're not even technically like classically fermenters. They're actually like converted HLT tanks, Um, but we got Mm -hmm. a deal on them. So we're fermenting in those. Um, The brewery actually has like what I consider to be the Cadillac of brewing systems, uh, Browcon. So it's all digital, all automated PLC control, um, super efficient brew house. So they can just produce it better than we can anyway. Um, but hopefully either we expand to the point we buy one or they expand to the point where we buy their old one. Um, cause okay. it's just a really good system. Nice. So did you uh, did you guys collaborate on the grain bill at all, or did you get specific malts for that, or did you know what? How did that work out with you and them? Yeah, so collaboration in that I slapped them down like a bitch and told them what the fuck to make. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, uh, I, I all good pretty... collaborations go. Yeah, <laughs> collaborating meaning this is what we're doing says me. Um, no, I mean we uh, the head brewer and I. Over there, we worked together on, on some ideas. Um, I had uh, I have like three or four recipes we're working on. One we're producing probably more of, uh, which is our uh, Glenshire single malt whiskey. Um, 
So it does have California malted barley in there from Admiral. It does have some peat smoked barley uh, from the Great Isle of Scott and uh, a little bit of cherry wood smoked malt as well uh, from our friends up north there in Brees. Um, and the idea is that the sweeter smoke will kind of help balance the astringency of the peat. Um, it's not overly peaty, uh, although my office right now reeks of peat. Um, you should tell them to get out of there. But uh, <laughs> aging it in X bourbon barrels. Oh, awesome. So, and how long, what's your, what's your goal on that? I mean, I know you're excited about it, so you're going to let it sit for how long before you thieve some? Uh, realistically, that product in X bourbon barrels will probably sit for four to five years. Good. Um, cool. We'll do some finishing, that's a, that's you exciting. know, like some cherry finished versions of it, but, uh, four to five is, is the goal. All right, so what's after uh, single malt season? Uh, we'll probably get back into vodka season, and then wabbit season, and then duck season, and then wabbit season. What? <laughs> what is uh? What is your? What is your vodka made out of? Tennis shoes. So we have two different vodkas uh, <laughs> we do in house. Um, our uh, more popular kind of price point vodka is called Sierra Vodka. Um, it is 100% yellow dent corn. Um, really straightforward, okay. just trying to produce a, you know, product that doesn't scare people. You know, the one thing our industry does not need is like another $45 bottle of fucking vodka. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's just, there's a couple of them. Uh, and our friend Johnny. No, we Hill. need more eighty-dollar bottles of vodka. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Really? So what did uh, what does um? All right. So what's your your other vodka then? If the ones yeah, the other vodka. My forty-five-dollar yeah. bottle of vodka. Um. Okay. All right. We got to it. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. he said we don't need another. We we just need his. Yeah. Just just mine, and then after that we're good. Uh, yeah. We I don't know that we've done the math on it to see where we're at cogs wise, but um. So the other project's really cool and near and dear to my heart. So uh, Sonora Wheat is the uh, base grain. And uh, so it was originally discovered in Sonora, Mexico, circa like 1700, um, and was brought to California by Spanish missionaries and was forgotten for a solid 300 years. Um, And the story goes is that the entire crop, current crop of Sonora Wheat was actually found uh, by a single grain in a uh, Spanish uh, mission here in California. Um, and it was actually, you know, it kind of got bypassed from all the modern improvements of, you know, modern day grain as we know it. Um, and it's uh, naturally uh, low in gluten, which the slow food movement kind of first picked it up and brought it to some sort of acreage. And then we've kind of, taking it the next logical step and made it into spirits. Um, really beautiful wheat. Um, like I said, it's definitely a heritage variety. Um, uh, little, I don't want to say it's rough around the edges, but it's, it's definitely different than your commercial wheat. Um, mm-hmm. For any of the wheat geeks out there, it's more like a Kamut wheat um, in flavor, um, but it is 
definitely unique and distinct. Are you thinking of doing anything like playing with some of the barrel resting that some of the other, I know Portland has done that before, like Stark aversions and stuff. Have you played with any of those? Are you just going to keep it exactly as it is? Uh, I do what I want, basically. I don't know. Yeah. Good man. Yeah. Um, so you're I do just like, going to drink it. This is, no yeah, one else gets it. it. Yeah, please. <laughs> uh, but we did use some of that um, Snora wheat in a couple barrels of a uh, wheated bourbon, as it were. Wheated? Wow. Um, what do you think that's going to do? How's that going to age out? What are you uh, hoping it does? I, you know, some some of our initial barrels were just kind of test batches. Um, you know, we'll take a look at it in a year or two and kind of determine commercial viability from there. Um, we also played with blue corn. Um, we also played with three different rye recipes. Um, we also played with looking over my desk. Oh, yeah. We have one barrel we called... Uh, so we actually barreled it on the day that, uh, no, it was the anniversary of when Bronny James Dio died. So we actually did like every color of corn for corn whiskey we could come up with. And we Rainbow called it dark. Rainbow in the Dark. Well, ride the tiger. Um, <laughs> yes. So, okay. So we got Portland coming up and then we talked about discus. We talked about, uh, what else do we got to cover, guys? I think we're ready to get to uh, final thoughts. Yeah, that was pretty good. We did. I did have a thought while um, don't lie while Jake was talking, and I think we have our new celebrity endorsement whiskey that could finally compete with Danny DeVito's Limoncello. And I want to. I want Jake to do this. We need to do uh, a Will Will Wheaton's Weeded Whiskey. Mm. Yes. And I feel like nerds around the world would buy one bottle. So it would only sell a case, but it would be a really popular case. Well, because he was doing all that shit with Stone back in the day, right? Was he? Yeah. The Woot Stout. The oh, Will... nice, nice, yes. Yeah, Will Wheaton's Woot Stout. So, like, just call up Yeah, Greg so you could Coke, totally right? kick their ass. Just call him up and be like, hey, bro, give me... Will Wheaton's fucking phone number. You say Greg Probst? <laughs> no, Coke. Uh, from Stone. Uh, okay, yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. I follow you now. Yeah, yeah. So, I just so heard after Greg this Probst. one, yeah. I expect our next podcast that won't be aired, you will tell us about the progress with Will Wheaton's Weeded Whiskey. Yeah, I, I, I had a couple stupid ideas because, you know, I think about that. Because every time I see Ryan Reynolds on the TV, I want to punch him. And all of his <laughs> fucking deviation horseshit, right? So, like, you're not original. Hey, you're come on. Saying- come on. Those goddamn commercials are funny. I don't care what you say. Those uh, are funny fucking commercials. They they are hilarious in, in all the ways that disappoint me. And so... Um, <laughs> all that is wrong with America. Yeah, everything that's wrong with America, you know... Someone who has no interest in the distilling community, who puts no effort into making anything himself, who just goes out and buys the hard work of someone else, 
who can sling his stuff nationwide and probably worldwide. I don't know what their map looks like, Donald but I'm Trump. sure it's fucking yeah. huge. It's in Mar-a-Lago, I'm sure of it. Um, yeah. You know, and, and the rest of us are busting ass, you know, losing sleep, missing birthdays and anniversaries so we can put our hard work so five people will really enjoy it. Okay, so I got a good final thought question then. This, uh, this conversation really has ignited something inside me. Um, if all three of us, we can answer. If you could have whatever <laughs> celebrity endorsement you could wanted, and anyone in the world, who would it be? Ooh, that is a good one. Yeah. So I would say I have two answers, right? Because, like, ultimately the right answer, because I want to, like, never work again, is, like, the Kardashians, right? Because, like, once you get them to right. sign on, like, <laughs> I'm not it's saying that I would have any soul left, which, you know, souls are, you could buy another one, I'm sure. Because um, that's, like, the right answer, right? Because you want to sell all the things. Um, but, like, ultimately, right. I would say if I could have any celebrity endorsement, I, uh, shit. It's tough. Sir Mix a lot. Sir Mix a lot. Because I want to make a big <laughs> sherry butt whiskey uh, and call it Big Butts. <laughs> oh, that's good. Right? I mean. That's good. Okay. Brian? Okay. Brian, who would Mine you? is I want uh, George R.R. R. Martin's endorsement on a whiskey. And the beauty <sighs> is that we never actually release it. It just ages year after year, and we talk about it. And maybe we do like a little bit of a tasting, but it never actually gets released. We just tease it until he dies. Wasn't Game mm. of Thrones whiskey a thing? Release the book, George. I'm sure it was. Yeah, Game but of Thrones. But it wasn't George R.R. R. Martin Sometimes. whiskey. That's different. Yeah, it's, it's not Song of Ring and Fire Ice or whatever the hell <laughs> the books are called that I never read clearly because i can't read you can't um, read i i'm gonna go with uh you know i don't know so I, you know i thought this was a great question and then i tried to answer it and i can't so i'm gonna go with <laughs> ozzy smith um <laughs> because he was a fantastic shortstop and i remember him being a kid as a kid he would do like handsprings out onto the baseball field don't even really care for baseball now but i think that uh <laughs> He endorsed a baseball glove oil that I, but my dad really liked that we used to oil our baseball gloves with, and that's a good memory. So I think it's time for him to endorse something else, and uh, a fine Malort would be uh, Ozzy Smith Malort. Yeah, that's it. Huh. Now wow, it. you ended it on a really bittersweet note, and then also attached <sighs> it to basically liquid cancer so thank you also yeah. malort is not liquid cancer that was a joke do not sue me to malort makers in the united states please no. sue brian christensen care of do jason zeno yes. damn it horseshoe one, one colton malort. weinstein yeah. yes <laughs> his address you can find is him. unknown right <laughs> good luck tracking him down yeah yeah so last time I heard he's up in the Swiss Alps, uh, in beaches or something. Yeah, that's ex yeah. exactly right. Um, <laughs> you summed it up perfectly. Yeah. I mean, I can't say anything else to that. So I think we should uh, we should end this thing. All right, I love you, dummies. Cheers. Uh.
Okay. 